We are called to live faithfully for Jesus 168 hours a week. Welcome to the Faith 168 Podcast with Brandon and Chris. Hello and welcome to the Faith 168 Podcast. My name is Chris and I'm here with only one co-host this time and that is Brother Brandon. Brother Brandon, how are you doing? I'm doing well, but man, it feels weird. Just It's me and you again. Uh, Brother Rob's out sick and kind of a weird pattern we've got established here, you know? Right, yeah. <laughs> You'll probably be sick next week and it'll just be me and Rob, so... Uh, y'all yeah, I'm just about count on it. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I'm glad to be recording another episode with you, my brother, and we're continuing on in the book of Revelation as we continue to look at the seven letters to the seven churches, and tonight we're looking at the compromising church, uh, and I think this is a really good one to look at because I think if we we really look on the global aspect, we can start asking ourselves, especially within the United States, how many of our churches are compromising to the world? And, and we've been talking in our TikTok series about a lot of different compromises that people have made in uh, calling themselves followers of Christ while yeah. living and preaching the world. So I think this is a really good one to, to focus on, especially during our current culture that, that we're living in. But we're going to go ahead and, and jump into Revelation chapter 2, starting with verse 12 and 13 to tonight. And here's what Jesus says. And to the angel of the church in Pergamum, Write the words of him who has the sharp two-edged sword. I know where you dwell, where Satan's throne is, yet you hold fast my name, and you did not deny my faith even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, who was killed among you where Satan dwells. And so there we go. There's a, there's a, a big yeah. start to that. And yeah. uh, so... I mean, uh, Pergamum, uh, this, uh, I know y'all talked about Smyrna last week, uh, but this, this is a place that's about 50 miles north of Smyrna. Uh, and it was a, a big place of uh, pagan worship. And very specifically, they, they worshiped the emperor. Uh, that was a very big deal. They, yeah. That was one of their gods. Uh, and Christians in this church were often persecuted for their lack of quote unquote patriotism, in uh, in the Jews they had uh, this exemption from worshiping the emperor, but the Jews made sure that the Christians did not have an exemption from worshiping the emperor. And so, yeah. if you were a Christian and you did not worship the emperor, you were persecuted. Uh, there were there were multiple ways of of persecution, uh, all leading all the way to death in some, some instances. But I think it's important first, let's just look at, at the introduction, uh, of, of what Jesus says. These are the words of him who has a sharp two edged sword. And 
Uh, Not a I nice think, introduction, is it? Yeah, right. <laughs> Here's my yeah, weapon. Yeah. It's, it's like something. And I know where to, you live. <laughs> right. Something's about to get cut up. Something's about to get dissected. Yeah. Uh, and, and this is really, it sounds like a battle, like almost like a battle cry in this introduction. But it reminds me of the, the passage we read in Hebrews 4.12, uh, where we see the author of Hebrews says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the division of the soul and spirit and joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And and I like how Jesus in each of these letters, he introduces himself in a way that is going to strike that church that is reading the letter a little bit deeper. Uh, and, And so as we're talking about the compromising church right here, they had a very big heart condition. And uh, he's saying, I have the sword. I am the word of God. And I discern the thoughts and intents of the heart here. And, and I've come to to divide the, the flesh and the spirit to, to show some of these, these bad things that are going on uh, in your hearts. And so what do you think about that introduction, Brandon? Well, I think you make a lot of good points about that, where Jesus clearly identifies himself with the word of God, which as you read from Hebrews 4.12, is also said to be sharper than a two-edged sword, and that's exactly what Jesus says here. And you also mentioned that all of these self-introductions, these identifications from the Lord Jesus are relevant and uh, applicable to the situation that's going on in each of these churches. And the fact that Jesus reminds this church that he is the truth, uh, that he is the word of God, is a reminder to this church of exactly what they've abandoned. Mm-hmm. Now, he does commend them, as we'll see in just a moment, for holding fast, even when one of their own members was martyred before their very sight, a popular fellow around their name, Antipas, but mm-hmm. that doesn't negate or diminish the fact that they've been compromising and that they are holding to false teaching, actually, and that false teaching is leading them to ungodly living. And yeah. so Jesus at the very outset is saying, you know, you guys need to return to the truth. I'm the right. truth. And so, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of a scary introduction. You know, it's not very pleasant. It's not very nice, but... You know, there's just some times where if we're in serious error, what we need is, a, as they used to say, a good talking to, you right. know, uh, which is a grace to us. You know, um, right. if Christ didn't care about us at all, if he didn't care about this church, then he would have just opened this letter up in a different way. Maybe, maybe not so harsh. Right. And, and you know, we, we see how he says this as he as he continues on. He says, I, you know, I know your works. And there's something to commend them on that they held fast uh, to to the name of Christ yeah. during this persecution that they mm-hmm. were going through. But but what I find is interesting is I know your works and where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. Yeah, right. And, and so there's this implication uh, of the condition of their heart that. Uh, you know, almost like the loveless church in the, in the way where they left their first love. Well, well, who sits on the throne of the hearts of the church of Pergamum? And 
uh, that that's where we find that if Satan is sitting on the throne of their hearts, that there's going to be compromise because mm-hmm. uh, I think that's what we see in a lot of churches today is, is that compromising. We, we want to hold fast to the name of Jesus, but we want to implement our, our feelings and our evil desires and our selfish ambitions into the way we worship, into the way we conduct business, into the way we do our outreach and, and things of that nature. Yeah. Uh, and that's what, what Satan does. Uh, he he mm-hmm. works on our senses. He works on our feelings. He works on our desires. And what we start to do instead of putting God's will at the forefront of all that we do, we start putting our will at the forefront of all we do. But what, what do you think about Satan's throne there? What what in the world is Jesus talking about with, with Satan's throne? I know where Satan's throne is. Well, it's interesting here. You know, as much as Jesus will chide and chastise this church for their sins and errors, he he does let them know that he is completely aware of the pressure that they have because mm-hmm. evidently, you know, basically I guess the general thing being conveyed here is that Pergamum was a place where Satan had a base of operations. Right. I mean, you mentioned before that this was a very pagan city where the emperor was worshiped. And so we know Satan was clearly behind that, that, he was mm-hmm. working behind the scenes that he was in control of the perverse worship, the ungodly practices and the governmental persecution, which was taking place. And Jesus is encouraging them by saying, I know about all this, you know, I know right. the intense heat of persecution and ridicule that you're facing by living in the land of the enemy. I know mm-hmm. that you're in an area that is uniquely under Satan's control and so that that's a great encouragement that as much as he will discipline them for their sins and speak sternly to them, he lets them know he is aware of their pressures and their troubles. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And, and I think, I guess if we look at this on a first and individual level is we have that excuse a lot of times, look at the pressure I'm going through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know about you, Brandon, uh, but I, I mess up sometimes. And no, when I, when I miss, yeah, that's what <laughs> I was thinking. You know, I didn't. I, I was thinking you're the only one that's been consistent for the last couple of weeks. You know, so of course I've you achieved don't mess full up. sanctification. <laughs> you know? No, I'm, but I'm as much a sinner as anybody else, of course. So, so when we fall short, a lot of times when we fall short, the first thing that comes to our mind is we want to justify it, and yeah. uh, so as an individual when I fall short, I look at it and say, well, God, look at my position. Mm-hmm. Look, look at where I'm at. Look at how I'm getting hit right now. Did you expect me to do any better? Uh, and it's kind of like a cop out. Uh, like you can't, you can't chastise me, God, I'm doing the best that I can. Uh, yeah. but I, I think, you know, that's what we're looking at here at Pergamum is he starts out with that, making sure that they understand. He sees the pressure, but that that's not an excuse. 
That's not exactly. an excuse for what he's about to to bring up. And uh, I, I think because uh, this was a foothold of Satan in Pergamum, that uh, that Satan had a really big foothold on the heart of yeah. many of the individuals within mm-hmm. Pergamum. And, and so on the individual level, we have to look at that and understand Jesus does know the struggles we're going through, but we have to come to an understanding that the struggles we're going through are not an excuse to say, yeah, I can slip up. I can fall off course, not saying beat yourself up, but don't, don't ever justify wrong because when you get into the habit of justifying wrong, then wrong quickly in your eyes and in your heart becomes right because you're justifying it, you know? Yeah. And so it's very important. Jesus knows what you're going through and he's there to help you through it. And when you submit to him and put his will before your will, before your desires, I can promise you this, you'll you'll still mess up sometimes, but you're going to stumble a whole lot less. Mm -hmm. You say, I know there's pressure on every side. Lord, what do you want me to do? But what do you think about on an individual aspect here? How could this be applied to the individual? Yeah, I think you nailed it. You know, Jesus demonstrates awareness of their situation, like he hasn't forgotten what they're going through. But Satan is not the one held responsible here for a compromise. It's it's these believers. Right. And so... Jesus is making the exact same point that you just elaborated on that. Yes, he understood their pressures. He understood they were living in a city where it could be said Satan's throne was even there. Mm -hmm. But those who were responsible for compromising and giving into false teaching were these believers. So, you know, we can't, we can't repeat that excuse. We often hear if we compromise where, you know, people say, well, the devil made me do it. Or yeah. I was under too much pressure. Um, yeah. No, we 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 are responsible for our sins, um, but we do need to be aware, uh, and and this is so humbling. But we do need to be aware that because we are in sin, I mean, we're not slaves of sin anymore as believers, but we are still in a sinful body and such. And because of that, our minds have a tendency to become lawyers for sin. Yeah justifying it in every conceivable way. The last thing our mind wants to do is call sin what it is and confront it. And we are all susceptible to that. And it's perhaps the case that some of these believers in the church of Pergamum were engaging in some of that self-justification as well. Like, well, Lord, you can't blame me, you know, for compromising. I'm in the city where Satan dwells, you know. And Jesus says, in essence, by accusing this congregation that you cannot use that as an excuse, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. And I I think, correct me if I'm wrong, I might be being too bold when I say this, but I'd say that if we were to look at a, a letter that really represents the church in the United States, that maybe we're looking at this letter and where we need to really shape up because I think Satan has a really strong foothold in the United States compared to a lot of other nations. And, you know, 
yeah i I know there's islamic states and stuff like that 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 you know have some crazy rules and crazy laws but we live in a nation that for the past decade has has really come out and glorified sin and justified sin and has pressured uh people and and even specifically has pressured churches uh to submit to the will of the world to our senses to our evil desires uh rather than to the will of god and and we've seen a lot of churches bowed down to the world because of this pressure and i'm not trying to be critical in in that regard i'm not like saying oh man stupid people in these stupid churches because if we're not careful that can be us yeah Uh, that that can quickly become us exactly Uh, and so i i feel the pressure i see the pressure but i also at the same time understand that just because there's pressure doesn't mean i have to explode Mm -hmm. yeah doesn't mean i have to give in Mm -hmm. uh because as long as i'm leaning not on my understanding but the understanding of the lord uh, he's going to lead me through it. And so I, I think on an individual level, we really need to look at that. And, and I think that kind of covers the local level as well. I think we really covered the local level and the individual level and the global level all at the same time right there uh, yeah. about how Satan really has a foothold in the church of the United States and and uh, really the world focuses on the United States. Yeah, and I might add that it's good to understand that each of these letters have something to say to the individual Christian, the local church, and the global church because each of them conclude usually with this admonition, he who has an ear, let Mm -hmm. him hear what the Spirit says to the church is. It's plural. so. Yes, like this letter, for example, was sent to the historical church of Pergamum, just as the remaining six were, but the message is universal. It's for all churches of all time, whether that's our local church or a church, you know, on the far end of the world. Mm -hmm. And so we all need this message about the futility of compromise and how none of us are immune from that. Right. Yeah, definitely. Well, I I think we covered those three aspects. I I say we keep moving. Yeah. And so if you yeah, if you want to read 14 and 15 there. Yeah. So this is where the hammer comes down for warning. Uh <laughs> after they're commended for being faithful when one of their own was martyred. Jesus says, but I have a few things against you. So he's getting his list ready. (laughs) You have some there who hold to the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel so that they might eat food, sacrifice to idols, and practice sexual immorality. So also you have some who hold the teaching of the Nicolaitans. Mm. And... Yeah, so there's there's a lot of things happening at this church that Jesus is against, and I emphasize the a lot because, you know, like the church at Ephesus, for, for, for instance, you know, 
Jesus spoke in the singular in uh, Revelation 2, 4. He says, I have this, just one, just one thing, just one little thing, <laughs> one little thing mm-hmm. against you that you've abandoned the love you had at first, which is not really a little thing, I guess. But here right. at the church at Pergamum, Jesus says, I have a lot, a few things here. And mm-hmm. it seems like the main thing that he takes issue with here is false teaching. Yeah. You kind of see that in there. I mean, he talks about the teaching of Balaam and the teaching of the Nicolaitans. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, and, and then you think about it. Uh, uh, look at, look at numbers 25, one through five. We see some of that, that teaching there where it says now, uh, Israel remained in Acacia Grove and the people began to commit harlotry with the women of Moab. They invited the people to the sacrifices of their gods and the people ate and bowed down to their gods. So Israel was joined to Baal of Peor and the anger of the Lord was aroused against Israel. Then the Lord said to Moses, take all the leaders of the people and hang the offenders before the Lord out in the sun that the fierce anger of the Lord may turn away from Israel. So Moses said to the judges of Israel, every one of you kill his men who were joined to Baal of Peor. And, and, and so Balaam and Balak, they, they, uh, they were talking here that they were using uh, really, I don't know of a good way to say this on a podcast that make it PG, uh, <laughs> but they were using free food and free sex to get Israel to worship <laughs> false gods. Yeah. Uh, and that's not what very it was. PG there. Yeah, yeah, there's no way to it put is. it, but that's what it is. And, and I don't know exactly what's happening happening in Pergamum, but just think of that like ha, their outreach like, "Hey guys, <laughs> we're going to have free food. It's it's sacrificed to all the pagan idols and then, you know, come over here and it's, you know, one of those nights we have more than just free food. Yeah. Potlucks <laughs> but, and prostitutes. Yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, and I'm not sure exactly if we're talking about a, a physical, uh, you know, sexual immorality right, in this right. sense, if it's, if it's really physical or if it's more of the, the spiritual understanding mm-hmm. that they're committing harlotry towards God, they're, they're stepping out on God or, if it if it's the first, it's both really in the same instance, yeah, and be. and so, I mean, but but think of that, uh, that you walk into the church of Pergamum, and they've completely compromised. Mm-hmm. They they've bowed down to the ways of the world, and uh, you know prostitution and uh, eating food sacrificed to idols was very big in Pergamum. It was, it was a part of the culture there. And so I, I wouldn't be surprised that this was the literal sexual immorality yeah, right. uh, that's being talked about here. Mm-hmm. But just think about that being invited to church today. How crazy would that sound uh, for, for the potluck and prostitutes that it, I don't know, maybe that's how some churches grow because in a sense, that's what, <laughs> these compromising churches in the United yeah. States are doing. Mm-hmm. They're compromising. They're not, you know, saying, Hey, come out here and commit physical sexual immorality, but they're definitely, uh, committing, uh, 
a a grave sin in yeah flirting and committing adultery with the world yeah uh, exactly and, and leaving god out of it and, and yeah. so we and we've talked about that especially in our tiktok series as we focused on uh that one pastor that one church up uh what's his name his name's brandon right uh yeah <laughs> yeah unfortunately so, yeah <laughs> but you know how he how he twists scripture and and makes scripture all about him and his desires and and his will and he's committed uh fornication with the world he's committed adultery uh and he's left god out of it he's he's saying god is is my love but i'm not with him i'm with the yeah. world right now mm-hmm. uh and and so that's that is a very interesting thing to to see right here and i think we can see it in a lot of churches in the united states and not only that but but the doctrine of the nicolaitans i mean didn't jesus say i hate the doctrine of yeah, the nicolaitans right. to the church at ephesus yeah Right. And he's saying, you're doing what I hate. That's what he's saying. Mm -hmm. And if you want to sum that all up, if you want to make it into, but this I have against you and sum all that up, but this I have against you, you're doing everything I hate, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, and and what type of relationship is that? Like, you know, you and I are friends, Brandon. uh, And if we're hanging out, we're going to do things that each of us like. You know, we're, we're, you're not going to, you know, hang out with me and make sure it's all focused on you. And I'm not going to hang out with you and make sure it's all focused on me. We're going to come together and do things that yeah. are mutually respectable. And what they're doing, which shows the relationship they have with God here, is they're saying, God, come here. Let us worship you. But we're going to do everything we like and nothing that you like. And how horrible of a friendship is that if I were to hang out with you and say you like bird watching and I hate bird watching and you say, hey, I want to hang out with you, Chris. I know you hate bird watching, but that's what we're going to do today. <laughs> the you most know? masculine <laughs> outdoor, right. outdoor activity right there. <laughs> right. And, and I'm probably not going to like hanging out with you. <laughs> If yeah. all you want to do is bird watching, and I actually wouldn't mind bird watching, so if you ever want to take me out bird watching, just you know, let me know. But uh, <laughs> okay. so, but anyway, back to that. I mean, that's exactly what's going on with Pergamum. We're friends with you, God. We're just not friends with you, God. So, it's interesting you bring that up as an analogy because we saw from James many months ago where James says, you adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Mm-hmm. And that's what's going on with this church, is they are believing they are friends of God, but through holding hands with the world system and this false teaching, they have set themselves in opposition, actually, to God and have become his enemy all over again. But I do want to elaborate on a point you made earlier, which I think is so, so relevant, so pertinent to this discussion, where no church today, well, uh, (laughs) you have to be careful saying that because people have really pushed the limits these days 
uh, and, you know, and things you thought would never be done are being done right. today. But let's just say for the sake of the conversation that no church in this country would ever put out on their sign, you know, come and visit us on Sunday mornings, free potlucks and prostitutes. They'd never think to do that. But as much as they might detest even entertaining something like that, the irony is that they'll, they're guilty many times mm-hmm. of purporting false teaching and committing spiritual adultery. They're right. just fine by getting up behind the pulpit and, and preaching, you know, false, false teaching. Uh, messages like, you know, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life and you don't have to worry about judgment or hell. Mm-hmm. Or God accepts you just as you are and you don't have to repent or change. Uh, there's a lot of false teachings out there that are equivalent to compromise, just trying to have the best of both worlds. And so it's, it's unfortunate that Mm -hmm. many would turn their nose up at what this church at Pergamum was doing, but they won't look in the mirror. And again, we, we all are susceptible to this too. Again, we need to be careful pointing fingers at, the you know churches of our nation and this church in Pergamon because hey there's a reason we have this in the Bible yeah that's because it's for us right yeah and it's for us to to hear to see the mistakes of others and say you know what our brothers and sisters failed in this area and this is a learning lesson this is this yeah. is a time to be taught and and not stumble where they have stumbled. Uh, and, and so I'd say we, we focus now on, on the individual. How could this be applied to the individual? Uh, what, what does the individual need to look at here? Well, again, uh, going back to that susceptibility factor, um, something I always remind myself of in, when reading and studying Scripture is when, when there is a command, like a thou shall, that implies mm-hmm. that it is our nature to not do it. Yeah. But if there is a sin prohibited in scripture where God says thou shall not, that also means it is our inclination to do it. Right. And so the fact that we have this instance of compromise from this church of Pergamum given to us in scripture indicates that this is our natural inclination. It is right. unnatural for us This is what Mm -hmm. we need to realize. It is unnatural and bizarre to us to hold fast to the truth and not give way and not compromise because compromise is easy. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, living the best of both worlds and making concessions to the world and its system, that's the easy thing to do. That's the easy way out. The hard route, the hard path to take is to stand firm no matter what you might suffer for it. And right. so we do need to realize how susceptible we are to compromise. But at the mm-hmm. same time, we need to hold fast to the truth of Scripture. We need to know what the Bible says and stand on it as individuals. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, Balaam and Balak were around during the, the period of the wilderness wanderings. The yep. Nicolaitans were around during the New Testament age. And this false teaching they were holding to was present in the first century. And so mm-hmm. there's always going to be this spirit of false teaching. There's always going to be antichrist. There's always going to be false teachers and false Christ. That's not going to go away anytime right. soon. 
And so we need to know what the Word of God says so we can distinguish it from what the world says and so we're not led astray into false teaching. Yeah. And I think I have a way of summing up all of this, just like the the first time, uh, individual, local, and global, all at one time is first and foremost, there are things that God hates. Uh, and yeah. it's, it's not the people, it's the ideas, it's the evil desires, it's the sin uh, that, that so easily ensnares us. And he hated the acts of the Nicolaitans. And uh, he, he, you know, very strongly condemned false doctrine right here. And, you know, this is something I hate. I hate that you're doing this. And we as individuals need to realize that there are some parts of our lives that Jesus just says, man, I hate that you're doing that. I really hate that you're doing that. And I, and I have to think about that sometimes with some of my my actions and say, you know, what what would Jesus be writing a letter to me right now about? <laughs> man, yeah, Chris. Right. Hey, you're doing really good in the sense you're getting out there. You're going door to door. Uh, you know, you're you're leading prayer groups and things like that, and, and Bible studies. But this I have against you, man, is I really hate some of the things that you're doing because it doesn't represent me or glorify me. And we need to look at that as an individual. Uh, we need to look at that in our local churches, and we definitely need to look at that in our our global church as well is that we keep ourselves from the things that Jesus hates and Jesus very strongly says I hate false doctrine I hate I hate uh adultery in a sense in, in a spiritual sense and in a physical sense he yeah. hates it uh and there's a lot of spiritual adultery going on that we need to look out for and so uh, I think I think those are some good things to look at because, like you said, we have an inclination to compromise. That's why Scripture has warned us time and time again not to compromise because we're going to try. In fact, I heard a pastor not long ago. He was preaching a sermon and he was uh he was explaining the church's position on things like homosexual marriage and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, adultery, uh, a fornication, and some of those things that the world says. There's no, nothing wrong with it because the world would tell you homosexuality is not wrong. The world will tell you that adultery even isn't wrong. You know, in civilized society, they might turn up their noses to it. But guess what? They make a website for you to be able to mm -hmm. commit adultery on your spouse. And fornication is definitely not seen as anything yeah. wrong here in the United States. And, and so as he was preaching this, he was sharing his compromising mind and then sharing how he submits mm. first to the will of God. And he says, you know what? I try and justify it. In my head, someone says, well, they're not hurting us, you know, like with, with homosexual marriage. And he's like, you're right. It's not hurting me. It's not doing anything against me. Uh, well, adultery. Well, yeah, I'm not committing adultery, but, you know, again, that's not hurting me. Uh, you know, that's their thing. And fornication. Yeah, it's not hurting me. They said, but you know what? It's hurting God. God yeah. said that is wrong. And he explained, that's why I stand 
and say that it's wrong. Not because my feelings say it's wrong, because our feelings change. We like to we like to fit in with the world. He says, because the word of God says it's wrong. Therefore, I stand on the word of God, no matter how I feel, because I know at the end of the day, I compromise. I fail. I want to fit in. But also at the end of the day, I know that God is always right. Yeah. And, and so that's what we need to come to. There's going to be times you you don't mesh up to scripture very well. <laughs> like, uh, you know, there's times, just take the, the small instances where Jesus says, cut people out of your life that are bringing you down, you know? Yeah. How... <laughs> How hard is that? Sometimes we kind of overlook that and say, "Well, we, we got to love them, we got to be there for them," you know. But at the end of the day, that's our feelings, and at the end of the day, God is right, and and so we need to stand on the Word of God and not compromise with the world. But I think I think that about covers our time. Do you have any last words on this subject, Brother Brandon? No, I think we covered it pretty good. Yeah. Well, I want to thank everybody for joining us on another episode of the Faith 168 podcast. I want to encourage you all uh, to go out and live faithfully for Jesus for the next 168 hours until we meet again and review something else, whatever we're going to be doing by next week. Uh, And I want to encourage you to take a long look in the mirror and ask yourself this question, where am I compromising? Because I guarantee you, if all of us do that, Brandon included, yeah. uh, <laughs> we're going to find something that we need to work on, that we need yeah. to submit to God. And that's that's what keeps us going. That's what keeps us spiritually healthy. When we take the things that are making us spiritually sick and we give it to God and we stop compromising with the world. But if you have any questions, concerns, or any topics you want us to discuss, please feel free to send us a message on the Faith 168 podcast Facebook page. But again, thank you for joining us. Brother Brandon, always a pleasure to record another episode with you. So if you will, go ahead and dismiss us in prayer. Absolutely. Dear Father, we thank you for this passage of Scripture. We thank you for loving us so much that you tell us the truth. It might hurt to receive it. It might cut us like a two-edged sword. But we know that we need it. You know we need it. And the truth is the only thing that can set us free. And so we do thank you for telling us the truth. But we do pray that we might indeed look in the mirror to see how we've compromised or how we're uh, drifting away towards compromise. And we just pray that you might give us the grace to hold fast to the truth to stand for the truth, no matter what the cost might be. And we thank you and pray you might bless our listeners. And we pray all these things in the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Faith 168 podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a review on whatever streaming platform you are using. If you have a prayer request or have a topic that you would like us to cover, Message us on the Faith 168 Podcast Facebook page, and we will see you in 168 hours.